Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, April 2nd, 2020, otherwise known as National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day. Dude. Those First are probably off, those are probably some foods that would last, huh? For First for off, that's the number one quarantine food. Yes, you're thinking on the exact right path, Chris. Number one quarantine food, peanut butter and jellies. Get a couple jars of those, you're good to go. You ride this. And if thing somebody out. hasn't done this already, you need to be trying raspberry preserves. That's if you're, the one. If you're still doing Concord grape, it's great, and that's the basic. But that's what it is. It's simple and basic. Try raspberry See, next time. I've been messing more with peanut butter and Nutella. That's still good. Just cutting out the jelly. Well, you know what's weird? Like Nutella, I think, is more interesting than jelly, and same nutritional value. Actually, it's a little bit healthier. Yeah, jelly, sneaky, sugary. Yeah. yeah. Jelly and ice cream are pretty much the same. Like ice cream <laughs> is actually probably better for you. It has less sugar per spoonful. Got that protein. Uh, more fat. You get yourself but a peanut butter and ice cream sandwich probably better for going. you than sugar. Oh, just eat an ice cream sandwich with peanut butter on it. Done. Well, that is a well-known Maker Ranch late night munchie tip from yours truly. I remember is, that one. If you're going to have a bowl of ice cream. You dilute the ice cream with one big scoop of peanut butter and then like one and a half scoops of chocolate ice cream. Peanut butter it down, like water it down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, just reducing the sugar intake, adding a little protein, and keeping the fat content high. Who can argue with yeah. that? Where are you going to get info like this, huh? Yeah. That's why you listen every week to the Modern Maker podcast. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, what are you guys? Uh, yeah, how's everybody holding up? I'm curious about you, Chris. You're the one that seems like of any of us that need to be on lockdown, lockdown, it's you, right? You're really keeping track of who you're talking to. Yeah. I mean, like I've had a very tight circle for honestly the past, God, even longer than two weeks or yeah. Yeah. Pretty much like for the past three weeks, it's basically been like the only people I've been close to are obviously my immediate family. So Dolores, my two kids, my parents, Sean and my brother and his wife. And, and that's pretty much been a closed circle because Sean's down here. He doesn't know anybody else. So we're right. his, we're essentially his family at this point. And then everybody else is like, honestly, the crazy part is the most cavalier people of all of us are my parents. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. they're the ones who like go shopping, the, you know, go to the grocery store the most and stuff like that. You know, luckily I'm sure it's everywhere, but like here they open an hour earlier where seniors can go in an hour earlier, like seven to eight or whatever. And yeah. get shopping done. So they usually, you know, if they have to go, they go at that time. Hey, who better to have an early bird special for, right? I know. They're, they've already <laughs> been up for eight hours by that yeah, point. Yeah, so, so. classic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's just been us. I know you guys are pretty isolated where you are without having to even yes. really try. So that's... It's... I think it's weird. It's both... There, it, it isn't that different from what we normally do. But the difference is relatively profound, I would say, right? Like it's when we're out in Maker Ranch, it's not like it's, we're normally an internal social group, wouldn't you say, Mike? Like we, we yeah. hang out with each other because, you know, there's always like three or four of us there. Mm -hmm. So it's an internal like social network. So that's not changed. But what's different is that normally once or twice a week, we have like outside you know, one or two outside visitors come in and like hang out for a weekend, whether it's our, our boy Norbert or my, my business partner on some real estate stuff, Adam. And 
you know, think of like as a just general caveat to any conversations related to this topic. I just want to make it really clear that I don't know, right? Like whatever I say is hopefully as much of an educated guess as I can. But this is like an issue that I think there's just way too many people pretending that they're certain. You know, I'm I've been really inconsistent with how worried I've been about it and with how different I've like tried to make things and then with how the same I've tried to make things because the information, you know, the, the, the stuff that I read that seems credible seems to be uh, different on a regular basis. So if you came here looking for answers or validations of any sort of opinions, I mean, <laughs> clearly, You've, you're mistaken. clearly don't listen to the three uh, makers and, and, and woodworkers. But I think I'm just trying to get comfortable with like not knowing exactly what's going to happen or, you know, the best way to do things or who's the most right in their projections. Mm-hmm. Just trying to to take care of the, the people immediately close. So the big difference is, you know, my buddy Adam was supposed to come and hang out at Maker Ranch. And, you know, he was just hanging out with his family members that were, you know, got that were traveling overseas and then yeah. and then, you know, kicked out and then, you know, because of the, the sort of border shutdowns in, in different countries. And so he was hanging out with them and, uh, and they've been mostly social quarantining. But I was like, you know what? Talk to him like, no offense, man. I just think, yeah, let's just, let's just wait. You know, we doesn't, doesn't need to happen this week. Cause I was talking to a doctor friend of mine, a, one of my, one of my good friends back in Boston is a anesthesiologist at Mass General, which is you know one of the best hospitals in the, the world. And, you know, it's not, too bad in Boston yet. They're kind of worried about it becoming like what's starting to happen in New York and New York hasn't hit its peak yet. And, you know, I was just talking about like, you know, just trying to get a sense of like how how worried I should be and, you know, apologizing because she's getting a ton of those <laughs> uh, questions from everyone right now. Yeah. She brought up like, well, does anyone, you know, in your you know sort of household have a history of pneumonia? And I actually do. And Jesse does even more. Really? And she actually brought that like, oh, well, if how many times has Jesse had pneumonia? I'm like, I think like more than four or five. And she brought it up that that puts Jesse in actually like a very high risk. You know, like it's the type of case. thing that every time you have it, it actually is like detrimental to you moving forward type of deal. Yeah, it just increases your uh, your the vulnerability. Like you. Right. So everything else is in, you know, her favor in terms of like age and stuff like that. So again, it's like, it's really hard to know how to deal with information like that. So again, I'm not trying to make any declarations about what anyone should do. I just want to acknowledge that the, I mean, you guys have known me for a while now. You don't, I don't probably, at least I don't really know how I come across, but I don't really show too much stress or concern about too many things in the the time yeah, you're pretty, that you know me. You're pretty even killed, I would say. <laughs> and I have to say that this thing has, I don't even notice it creeping up, but probably like today and yesterday, I I felt just a little bit not myself, like that's just a little bit down, still yeah. cheerful, got a lot of work done and productive. And I wanted to just sort of acknowledge that because I think a lot of people are feeling that and I'm probably not going to express it on any other form of social media because I it's just not my style. It's interesting that but, you put it that way because yeah. I actually was thinking about that today too. Like, like yeah, like I, I 
I don't want to even use the word depressed because I, you know, I don't know what it feels like to have like actual depression that some people suffer from, but have had like a feeling of like a little bit what I would call leaning towards depression or whatever feelings lately, like more so than even like fear or being scared or whatever. And I think that there is kind of like a mass depression feeling and like maybe it is from just like being everybody kind of like not having as much contact with the outside world and or maybe it's a combination of things but that's interesting that you put it that way and I think probably a lot of people are feeling that way even more than like scared I I wish I could be one of those person that could objectively understand something and not have not not need it to be personal in order for it to affect me a architect, uh, Michael Sorkin, who wrote a bunch of books about urban design, brilliant guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He died from it. And he was, I think, late 60s, early 70s. But, you know, my my parents age, basically. But he's someone whose lectures I had been to. And then I see that happened. And I felt bad that I didn't that I didn't make the connection until it was someone that I had met in person. Yeah, like I, I would like to be a more objective person than that. But for whatever reasons, that was, you know, what sort of I took it seriously from the beginning. I wouldn't say that, but it hit me more emotionally than I think the way I was thinking about it before. Mm. And then another friend of mine, which was really good news, she got it in Australia and she just tested negative, which was really encouraging, exciting. And she's my age and stuff like that. And it was great just sort of hearing someone, seeing someone's face that, that, you know, that's been through it completely and can talk a little bit about it. Yeah, like, did she about- share her experience with it or anything? Yes. The big takeaway from that is that everyone clamoring for a test, yes, it will be really great when we all get them. And, but it's the current test where they stick the swab in your nose. Have you seen the diagram of how far they have to stick it up your nose? No. It like goes to it basically. It's your brain. Has- it's like it just tickles your and, brain. Yeah. It's like two and a half inches. You have to Dang. like deep nostril that. That's that's probably like the second knuckle on your pinky or something. No, I think it's actually yeah. It might be a little bit farther than that because they use those long, like God, the long like, like shish kebab skewer. It's Ugh. not a Q-tip. You can't do it with a Q-tip. You need like a bamboo stick with a Q-tip on the end of it, and they. That's why you can't administer it yourself, I guess, because you could probably they get up damage in there. something. So you know. And then to for her to get discharged, she had to test negative two days in a row. Okay, and so she was really excited, and that was that was really exciting to see. So again, I wouldn't say that I feel depressed or anything like that. I think far from it. I think I'm just Blue. being introspective and also just really appreciative of like how rarely this kind of thing happens. How rarely do I really feel fear for people I care about? Like and that's kind of amazing and, and, and should be celebrated and, and appreciated in its own right. Word. Mike, depressed? Yeah. No, <laughs> man, I'm honestly, uh, hey, He's however you guys are feeling, I was about to say, I can empathize with you. I've been doing my best to just block all that out, stay busy. And that's pretty much what I've been doing. Knocking out the bus, knocking yeah, out bus some editing. Going good. I got called out today <laughs> by, <laughs> by, you know what? Let's just play oh, it right yeah, here. Yeah, Here's yeah. the clip. Here's the clip. This is Jeff Lowe from the hit Netflix series, Tiger King. So yeah, Ben just posted that on the podcast account. Willy nilly. I got a notification from a bunch of DMs and I just see it after it had been posted probably for like 20 minutes already. And that had me rolling because me and you have talked about 
Tiger like, King. Chris, have you watched Tiger King? No, I've heard about it, but I have not watched it All yet. Right. You oh, just sit man. this one out. You got to. I'll just in shame. I'll, yeah, I'll sit here <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. sidelines. You didn't put the work in to watch this show, so you can't be a part of this one, Chris. All right. But later <laughs> on, when you're sitting down with your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, fire up some Tiger King. All right. Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy it. So this is the one time Oklahoma has gotten some shine. Oh, yeah. And it was for uh, our boy Joe Exotic, who not only ran for governor and had President. like- uh, he oh, had so a he's pretty, like a known commodity in Oklahoma? He's what you would call like a local legend. Like okay. everybody knows of Joe Exotic or has at least seen him on billboards. Is he, yeah, he has billboards. Yeah, he's got oh, so many like billboards. You get those going, billboards, man. Dude, that's, you know, okay. I speaking think, of getting billboards, Joe Exotic is the testament to the thing. I need yeah. to get one. Proof of concept right there. He yeah, did it POC. Um, so you want to hear how, how it happened from my end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the deep dive into Cameo? Yeah, because we had been talking about Cameo for a minute, like by the fire at night. Well, just br- you would bring it up occasionally. So Cameo is an app where you can get celebrities that maybe it's fair to say are a little past their expiration date. Yeah. To, B, C, and it's D like rate Patreon. celebrities. It's a transactional Patreon, right? It's like a one-off thing where you can, they have their fee and they'll create like a 10 to 15 second video and you can write what you want them to say and do. Now, they can they have the right of first refusal, but they actually turn it around really quick. So they reached out. They work with a lot of different YouTubers, and they had reached out to me a bunch of times and said, hey, can we get you on this platform? Your your fans will love it. I said, absolutely, 100%, no way, not interested, not going to happen, no way, no matter how much yep. money, I won't even mess with Patreon. No, no, no. <laughs> but I became very intrigued by who was on it, and I saw... A, I watched Tiger King, was just enthralled by it. And I think the reason I watched it too is like I was thinking, like, oh, wait, Mike has mentioned Joe Exotic just in like casual conversation about yeah. like Oklahoma lore. Yeah, I've mm. like years ago. This is yeah. not, to- yeah. this was not topical. I've talked and, uh, about him many times. Imagine how really much cheaper his cameo price was. I thought probably you were exaggerating then. when you described it. You're like, oh, yeah, there's this really flamboyant guy that wears like leopard print shirts and has tigers and a blonde mullet. I'm just like, all right, whatever. That sounds like an exaggeration. Mike <laughs> undersold it. This is a a jest. Like, first of all, he wears amazing shirts. He carries a six-shooter gun with him at all times. And he wears yep. a knee brace on the other leg. He's a flamboyantly gay Oklahoman gun-toting polygamist that also has over 200 large cats. That's right. So, And zero uh, fucks to give. <laughs> oh. oh well it's, unless you're carol baskins yeah that's then he's right got some some to give out <laughs> so anyways i'm sure there's enough internet content about that so i was following jeff lowe who's just this like kind of sketchy character in it oh no not kind of sketchy character in the show nailed it and i was checking out his Instagram as one does after one watches a scintillating Netflix documentary. You kind of go like, where are these now? <laughs> and he just posted that, oh, I'm trying out this Cameo app. That so was on. <laughs> I tried it. $25. Oh, that's money It's well up spent. to 85 now. So Homeboy must have been getting some se- well, serious requests. Grant bottom bottom floor i got in on the ground level here <laughs> that's right it's yeah early adopter he's an early and adopter I, did, I didn't know what to do but i knew that like i knew that you had seen the show mike yeah and i knew you wouldn't think of it it would just like it would just be so but be- i knew you'd be bewildered by it when he just <sighs> says your name 
He was supposed to, he messed it up. He was supposed he to did. say your boy said, Ben, but he said your name. He said Mike. He said my name Tell twice. Mike. Yeah. But Close whatever. enough. Okay. I, for for a character from that show to get it like 95% right, that's I think I think we we came out clean on that one. Dude, you know the first thing I did was try and see if Carol Baskin was on cameo. <laughs> Cause if she did, I I said I was like, I don't care how much money Carol Baskin wants for a cameo, but after what Ben just did, I would pay an exorbitant amount to get <laughs> <laughs> Carol Baskin to talk crap on you somehow. Right. So I then was like thinking about, oh, well, this cameo app, let me see whose else is on there. Got it. And I was thinking, you know, well, who would be really funny to me? And I was thinking sort of 90s and that kind of era. I was really hoping for like a Nick Lachey type. Nice. And to get him to do some sort of pun for Chris. Mm. Then I stumbled upon Montel Jordan. You know, the guy that sings that song, This Is How We Do It? Of course. Wait, how does it go, Ben? This, this is, is how, how we do, we do it. it. And then I was thinking, well, we you know, for the... <laughs> Bargain basement price of any guesses? Price is right. How much did Montel Jordan charge for a camera? $45. $1. $109. I was going price Whoa! is right. Homeboy's raking it in. So what'd you get? I, I had him say, well, I was thinking like, I want to like a, what would be something that I could actually get $109 worth of value out of it? Cause I was like, oh, that's no offense, Chris. I wasn't going to like to spend a hundred bucks and just to, to send Chris a funny message, you know? I'm worth it. I'd rather just wait and get you like a certificate to Applebee's or something. <laughs> Perfect. Can't use it anymore, though. So I was thinking, what's something that I could use like over and over again? And then I was thinking, oh, I'll use it as like some sort of like voiceover for a really common part of a video. And that'll just be like an ongoing gag in my YouTube videos. So I had him say, this is how we glue it at Homemade <laughs> Modern. <laughs> you know what you got to get now? You got to get... This is how we screw it for every time you're using screws. Nice. Just get it for everything. <laughs> get a different like 90s pop song for every, just I, all of I your videos can be it. just eight different steps. And then. So now I have this really nice piece of voiceover where he says, this is how we glue it. And, and he sings it. And he, I was about to say, he sings, he sings it, it and obviously he does it well. And oh, yeah. it's in a vertical format video. So I could just use it as a voiceover or I could actually have that as like, you know, one third of the screen. Yeah. And it's just right. like becomes this ongoing gag. So I might use it. I might not have to double check the sort of copyrights and all those kind of things. But yeah. I actually think Cameo would really like that I did it as long as I left their watermark on it. Yeah, that's probably a good call. Yeah. So can I give you a Cameo story? Yes. All right. So this this is secondhand, obviously, from another podcast I listen to. Go check out Tiny Meat Gang if you're interested with Cody Cole and Noel Miller. So they actually had Mark McGrath on the podcast from Sugar Ray. Yeah. And they had him on the podcast because he had a whole controversy where, where on Cameo, there was a chick that was probably in high school just based off the, the, the Cameo request. And she had her break up with her boyfriend for her. Mm. So it's like, hey, what's up? It's Mark McGrath. Number, we're not number one on the charts, but we're still number one in your hearts. <laughs> that's his intro line and he's like hey man so stacy you know she wants me to tell you that she really likes you and you're a really nice guy but her finals are just a lot right now and <laughs> she's got to really focus on those so she wishes you the best and honestly you're a sugar ray fan so you've got to be a pretty good guy but 
I'm here to tell you that Stacy needs some space. <laughs> but I'm sure you're going to come out of this fine. So have a good one and we'll catch you next time. Stacy <laughs> like needs he goes some full, Yeah, he goes full full sugar ray on it and then obviously he did a really good job though. I was about to it say was like the really internet, sincere. Like it was the like, internet took it and ran. Yeah. She it was like, sincere. You're right. Yeah, he felt bad. He kept kind of trying to end it on a good note, but then sort of going back down the hill on the roller coaster of like, <laughs> but she does want you to know that it's actually over, but you're going to get out of this. You're going to climb out. You're going to start feeling better. You're going to go outside, maybe exercise. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I mean, it, he, Mark McGrath has a very gentle touch yeah. with emotion, with matters of the heart. You're right. That's what I've you always know, said. Fit it into the pop structure. Give it a, give it a nice little chorus. And he'll make yeah. the worst things sound good. Sugar Ray, though, that was just like, that was like there. someone just sat there and said, oh, you know, it'd be awesome if we <laughs> took Sublime and made them more poppy. <laughs> Yo, Sugar Ray is, I know, every, I know everybody hates Sugar Ray, but I will bump it hard. Oh, what Summer was the hits, other one? Where was, what, was the, what was the one, too? It was like, so for, I saw like Sugar Ray was like the horrible pop bastardization of Sublime. Okay. Yeah. And then there was one that came after. It was that song where it was like butterfly sugar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy town. Yes. That <laughs> I know what song you're talking about. And they're like, okay, they went too far into pop. Let's make it a little bit more hardcore. <laughs> nope. Still terrible. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm they're looking just all at dancing a, around the same idea. Yeah. I'm looking at cameo right now and the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Oh. You 35 get, years later <laughs> you get him to do something for 60 bucks 60 oh, bucks yeah 60 bucks that's a deal Ooh, man. well imagine you sit down and you record 10 cameos you, you just raked in six bands oh yeah bethany Crazy. frankel 275 that's the most expensive one i've seen on here oh i mike i was gonna get bruce buffer but it's 300 bucks yeah, oh, yeah i that believe that is, wait bruce buffer is the ufc ufc one, right? announcer okay right. the it's yeah, time. I, yeah, I do not want Mike Buffer. Get out of here. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. Bruce Buffer would have been legit. Yeah. Especially if he did his little hop, you know, that he does on the main yeah. event. Ooh. That Dude, hop. Mr. Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. <laughs> Kevin O'Leary. Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> He's raking it in, man. 1200 Are 1200? you serious? Dude, I bet people call in with their cameo. They're like, I have this business idea. I need yeah. your advice. <laughs> He's like, give me twelve hundred dollars, and yeah, I'm basically using it to pitch. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, that was my little rundown celebrity lane. There's a lot of people on The Bachelor on there. Um, didn't see. I was like searching for like kind of like '90s people, you know, '90s genre, people like Kato Kalen. A lot of the people that I would have liked are kind. Yeah, I think like <laughs> Montel Jordan's good, especially if you could work in the line. Yeah, you get, you're kind of getting all the value from right. it. Yeah, it lets you even if you didn't, if if you couldn't name Montel Jordan or didn't know what he looked like, you still know that. Right, and the turnaround on it, I put into order within within an hour. I had the video, like he <laughs> knocked it out. Like Montel Jordan's on demand. Montel Jordan on demand. Yeah, it's funny. So after you did that, I was like, I got to get him back. Obviously, I hunt down Carol Baskin. No luck. There was a couple of side characters from the show, Tiger King. Oh, yeah, the one-armed girl? Yeah, and I thought, you know, there would there would be some kind of crude joke that she might be willing to do. But at the end of the day, not interested, you know? No. The time will come. So then I thought, I said, okay, who do I get that 
been is a fan of, but exactly what you're saying. Maybe they're a little past their prime, or maybe they were a B-rate celebrity to begin with, but it was kind of like that 90s or 2000s era. I tried, which I guess is closer to 80s, but I tried hunting down Ralph Macchio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that might have been a really good cameo, like, potential, but unfortunately, he wasn't on there. But you just wait. I'm going to find the perfect person, and you're going to get one from him. I see. I, I think the funniest thing would be if we used it for really mundane things. Like, yes. if, I, if I used it, you know, if I got someone to say, hey, Mike, don't forget to pick up, like, broccoli from the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> right like, yeah just, it, it just, starts, just for sending messages <laughs> just for like random really like mundane like you know week to week that sounds like text uh, messages that we have have you guys ever yeah. seen the movie brewster's millions or heard of? you have wow Mike. yeah that, that he's got to spend a million me. dollars or lose it all yeah he's got to spend it all but he can't just like give it away and he can't invest it that sounds like something you would do for that plot where like i just have yeah. to spend this money so all messages i'm sending via a cameo from now on the, the one it's like it takes for, so long to hear back from chris now like, well you're not gonna we, hear from me you're gonna hear from antoine dodson we've always that's it <laughs> antoine yes <laughs> hide your kids yeah well the one we should do for the three of us is just what time do you want a podcast this week yeah when do we you want do a podcast every this week. week and we just have like three different celebrities that we rotate we Dude. could spend thousands of dollars on that or or Tens, <laughs> tens. Of, yeah, yeah, that's true. If we get the, if we get some low rate celebrities. Yeah, you can get like a, tens. you can get a Stevo or mm. you know someone like that. Recognizable. Yeah, I, I really, it's probably funny, like as a, as a celebrity in whatever wavering level of fame you have to decide, like how much is my cameo worth? Like yeah. I can't undervalue myself. That hurts my celebrity ranking. All right, so let's strategically, you should be really on the low end because you want volume. Yeah, like, exactly. Because each one only takes you about probably two minutes. Right. So charging $100, but if you would get twice as many at, you know, 60, you know, you want to look at where you're sort of tiered with other people and you want to go for volume because you could knock out, you know, easily 30 in an hour. Yes. So you want to make sure if you're blocking out a half hour, you're filling up all 30 minutes. Right. Right. Dude, switching sense. time would be key. So you'd want to actually kind of go low, try to get a lot of volume, and then really promote on your social channels. That's not a bad idea. Yo, they got my boy Riff Raff on Cameo. Yo, that would be a good one. Wait, who's Riff Raff? He's I know the rapper. You would know if you saw him. <laughs> when you said that, all I can White think Florida of is- White Florida rapper. Okay. You know Jody High Roller? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs> I can like, think of is uh, the Junkyard Cats from Heathcliff. If- there was a riff raff. If Theo Vaughn did a lot of steroids and was a rapper that also looked like he could be a professional wrestler. That would be riff raff. Riff raff did Theo Vaughn's podcast and they and Theo Vaughn dressed like riff and they looked the exact same yeah. and I had the same personality. Now. Oh, speaking of Tiger King and podcasts, our boy Andrew Schultz is going to have Doc Antle from the Tiger King on his podcast. That's exciting news. That's a big pull right there. Is it remote? I hope, right? I mean, I think it has to be. At this be. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Doc Antle is just like bumming around Brooklyn <laughs> with some tigers, <laughs> although I'd be here for that. Yeah, Dude, that's the worst place to have big cats. Changing subject, still looking through Cameo. Ben, you can get Montel Williams for a hundred bucks. You could get all the famous Montels from the 90s. Wow. Done. Just... Have that market corner. Jerry Springer would be a good one. He's probably Jerry expensive. Springer. Or you know what the move would be? Using Maury Povich to do like a birth announcement. <laughs> yeah. Chris, your, you are 
going to be a father oh, for yeah. a third time. Thank you for letting me know. Uh, I can't What's up, anybody. brother? It's your it's Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> That's definitely and not Chris and, tr- and Chris and Tino want to invite you to their holy matrimony on October seventeenth in Lafayette. Rick, Rick Flair would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I saw Diamond Dallas Page, which made me think of DDP Homeboy. Yoga. Yeah, yeah, Rick Rick Flair would get bank for it. Like that, that would be, that would be pretty ideal. Now there's a good one. I just passed another Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Yeah. He's making the most of his, like his, you know, what else is he doing these days? Yeah. You got to go with him to do sort of a, I will break you kind of thing. Exactly. Something yeah. scary about the, something from, yeah. Get him to do his USSR stuff. All right, guys. Seagal would be a good one. All right. We got to cut this out. We, yeah, yeah. We're not no the cameo, cameo podcast. No. Nah. Okay. Everybody <laughs> find one more, find one more and then we're done. <laughs> okay, one one good cameoer. Yo. Actually, we should do it. We should do it as a game where everybody has to just guess the price. Hey, it's your boy Brian Callen over here. Oh, oh he's on there. He okay, Let's, yeah. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna guess he charges seventy five. Okay, Ben, what do you guess? Two hundred. One hundred. One hundred. Yeah, a little lower than I expected. Price is right rules. I, I believe I won that one. I, and you get good <laughs> value out of him too. I feel like right. the guy would sell it. Yeah, he's gonna. He's not gonna phone it in for. He's not gonna say the wrong name. Right. Say Mike where it should be Ben or whatever. Oh, you got Napoleon Dynamite over here. But y'all's turn. What do you got? John Hader. Yeah. Wait. Oh yeah, that's Napoleon Dynamite. Is wait. Is that who we're guessing the price of? I would say. Ooh, eighty-five dollars. Seventy-five. I'm sticking with my seventy-five. 200 damn he knows oh, he knows Mormons. he's gonna he knows he's oh, just gonna he's be like to do the napoleon dynamite yeah, he, voice. he's like dang it if i'm doing this whole thing i'm getting paid for it becky come get your dinner jared come get your dinner he probably just yeah. does that a million times yeah all right so y'all find any good ones or are we done with this i think we're done all right we're done fine chris do you have one man come on uh, here i'll just say the first one i'm just gonna randomly pull one up and say the first one i see all right uh, <laughs> Let's go with, these are all people I don't even know who they are. All right. Well, well, it looks like, okay, I don't, I don't recognize him by his name, but I would say he's the janitor from Scrubs because <laughs> he's like in a nurse's <laughs> oh, uniform. John C. McGinley? No, 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 no. The, the janitor guy. That's like the intense doctor that you're talking oh, about, right? Yeah. So, I never watched Scrubs. I didn't really watch it either, but I, I'm, I'm just assuming it's him because he's in Scrubs and he's like flexing at the camera. His name's Robert yep. Machio. What do you think he charges? $2. 78. You're very close, Mike. 80. Nice. So he's, see, he should talk to Ben because he's doing his, his strategy wrong pricing wise, yeah, I think. Low. Go low. Got it. Okay. Okay. Now, this is the last one I'm going to bring up, oh, but boy. just because he's a legend. Jose Canseco. Oh, oh. dude. Whew. Well, he was famous in like, it, it, at the height of his popularity, he would like charge for autographs and stuff. Oh, I believe that. So I'm going to say that he's charging a lot because he's probably, he's always looking to make, well, let me rephrase. Charging a lot for what he should be charging, probably. I'm going to say he's charging 350. Ben? 175. 100. I think the real problem is he doesn't look a lot like Jose Canseco anymore. He's not juiced anymore. (laughs) Not instant (laughs) recognizability. He looks like he used to juice. And unfortunately, people don't want to pay for a deflated Jose Canseco. Mm -hmm. That's where they get you. Wow. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P Help. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? 
therapy isn't something that really probably a lot of makers talk about on a daily basis, but it's absolutely important. And I just say it this way. Do you think you're actually living up to your potential? Like, is your objective understanding of what you could do, does that match with what you see yourself actually doing? If not, seeing a therapist can help you connect the dots and make you figure out why you're not living up to what you think you could be doing. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be available locally in your areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor. You'll get timely, thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't even have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today, and you don't have to take their word for it. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. So visit BetterHelp.com slash ModernMaker. That's Better, H-E-L-P, help, and join to over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So this is a special offer for our listeners, and you'll get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash modernmaker. All right, back to the show. Today's episode of the Modern Maker podcast is brought to you by Skillshare. Make 2020 a year where you explore new skills, deepen existing passions, even get lost in creativity with classes from Skillshare. Learn about illustration, design, photography, and video, even more concrete skills around building a business and entrepreneurship. So I took the Leathercraft Basics, where you create your own leather wallet by Robin Fitzsimmons. Uh, She actually has a series of different uh, leatherworking ones. This one was really great for me because I was just getting into leatherworking and I just wanted an overview and a small sample project that I could get started on. It was outstanding and it launched a whole nother line of DIY projects for me that involves leather. With Skillshare's short classes, you can move your creativity journey forward without putting life on hold, like Ben just did. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker, where our listeners get two free months of premium membership. That's two free months at Skillshare.com slash Modern Maker. All right. Thanks. All right. But in the, in the, in the world of making things, what is really happening? Ben, you've been, you've been putting out videos on these beds that you had been working on. I've been publishing a lot of videos. I haven't been doing a lot of building. Yeah. Right. And I've been doing a lot of 3d modeling. So got new videos out. All the desks are out and I published another bed video for tough to needle and now I'm working on a lot of 3D modeling and uh, experimenting with the Shaper Origin. Nice. So fantastic tool. Yeah, it's 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 great. And I'm working on a some paver and some concrete products that I'm going to use for some the next big architecture projects that I have. And I've been working on the design. Oh, I think I mentioned this before: the convertible daybed to sofa. So I saw Laura Comp's project. Shout out to Laura. It was awesome. And it's going to be same, same, but different. So similar 
sort of plywood kind of look and aesthetic, but totally different transformation mechanism. And I think mine's going to involve a special ingredient, pool noodles. Heyo. Yeah. Kind of love so, a pool noodle. Modeling that, there's going to be some rotation and some moving parts and stuff like that. And that's really when I like to model things, just to make sure like the the swing of things, you know, will have the right clearance and just just troubleshooting before you actually cut pieces and glue them up. But makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. From a work standpoint, things are things are great. I think at first I was trying to be like, gotta be so productive, you know. I'm yeah. gonna turn this all into that. And now I'm just like, nah. Like, I'm pretty productive in general. Like, I can have like a week where I'm down to just like, you know what? Just gonna do a little 3D modeling, sketch out some ideas. And on a normal day, I'd want to either like at least edit half a video or more, work on some new designs, send an hour's worth of emails, close a new deal, and build something. Right. And now I'm just like, you know what? Today I'm just going to like do a couple hours of 3D modeling. And oh, I actually played video games for the first time in a really Ooh, long time. What'd you play? I played Animal Crossing. Ah, it just came out. <laughs> not, not a difficult game on the Nintendo Switch. Very easy. Not quite. Yeah. But I'm, it got boring really quick. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. It's funny. It's turning into spring out here in Joshua Tree. And I've been spending mornings actually a couple hours every morning just really just sitting outside soaking up sun and i was talking to my family back home in oklahoma and apparently it's sort of doing the same thing there everywhere it's sort of turning into spring and yeah i've been taking advantage of that more than i typically do trying to get as much sun as i can before i start like taking off my shirt whenever i work on the bus if i'm not filming for too long but i'm not there yet i gotta get get a good base so i don't (laughs) go out there and fry myself because california sun is no joke people talk about it I was about to say, people talk about it, and it's there. It's not a hyperbole. That is the truth. It'll bake you quick. Yeah, yeah. I actually, similar to what Ben was just saying, I remember reading something. It, like it seemed like the tone was basically like, you don't have to be at your most productive. And then it was like during a world crisis, like, <laughs> got like, it. You don't have to feel like guilty about not doing everything that you should be doing or whatever. So. I don't know that I've been exactly practicing that, but I've like been trying to think about it. Cause yeah, like at first I did kind of have a mentality of like, well, things are going to slow down, but like, this is still a good time for me to get ahead on other things or whatever. So project wise, I, I still have like a bunch of wood. So like I can still do a bunch of projects, but I don't really, I didn't really have anything to build. So I was like, well, let me like think of something that I can do. That's something that I actually need for my house. Cool. So what I've been doing this week, we, about seven years ago, we had redone our bathrooms and the we had a like bathroom vanity built for us. And it's fun, like it's perfectly functional. We like the layout, everything. Was this before you were building things? It was like when I had started building things, but like it was, I didn't have that much time then. And so all of my time was going into like building commission pieces. And I just, I basically said like, all right, well, I can stop taking commission pieces and build this, or I can pay somebody to do it and make more doing commission pieces. So that's why I didn't build it at that time. Easy. The doors and drawers, like they're, they're, I don't even know what kind of material they were. Like I assumed they were MDF or something, but I can't even tell, but the paint is like not holding up well on them. And probably has partially to do with that's the bathroom that the kids use. And so they get like a little beat up in there. So I wanted to do it where I'm basically like re updating it or, you know, just like changing out the doors and drawer faces. 
but using yeah. the old ones almost as like a template to create the new one. So trying to make it like very simple where you could do it. You can take a lot of like the trouble out of it because you're just like matching things that already exist size, but making them out of red oak that I'm just ebonizing black because that's what color it is in there right now. So I think it'll be like a nicer higher end look when I'm done. And we're actually filming it more in like a kind of like a documentary style. So I've been doing kind of what you do, Mike, where like I know you always say that as you're filming, you'll kind of like dump the footage at the end of the day and just like start roughing it together. Right. Like since the the workflow for editing this one's going to be totally different than a normal video. I've been trying to do that where I just like at night, I'll just kind of go through it and just I don't know how you do it, but I basically have just been like chopping it down as like a first rough pass. And then yeah. like once I've done that, now I can like go back in once everything's done and actually like put an edit together. That's pretty much what I do. Yeah, I just I, I know the stuff that I need to speed up. I need the stuff that I need to be real time. And so I just cut all the clips where they need to be, get rid of all the dead space mm-hmm. between me, like screwing one thing and the next thing. Right. Yeah. That way I can come in and do it like a creative edit and get all yeah. of the robot work out of the way. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So yeah, I'll probably, and well, actually, so this will be an interesting question. Maybe you can help me out a little bit here with this. Okay. So I'm going to have to do some voiceover. So what I've been doing is like, while I'm cutting down the footage, I've been saying like, okay, here's where I'm going to need to explain something. And so I've been like making little notes, like clip 22, say this clip Uh 35, say this, like, do you do stuff like that? Or how do you go about it? And you're preparing those notes for your voiceover. Yeah, I'm like preparing the voiceover as I'm going through kind of. Got it. No, I don't do that at all. I have it in my head where if there's a section that I can, while I'm doing that first edit, I'll recognize that there's a lot of steps happening. So I'll know the voiceover is going to be a little bit longer here. So I'll I'll let the edit stretch out. But if I know I'm doing a really simple task, then I can cut that down to as short of a clip as I can. Because I know it's it's something along the lines of, and then I glued everything up and waited for it to dry, you know, something right. like that. Okay. So, so that I just try just and, comes with time doing a lot of them. You kind of start figuring out like, all right, this part needs to be 40 seconds or whatever. Yeah. And what, what I do a lot of times, and this is for like comfort for you, because just to let you know, it's not that big of a deal. While I'm doing voiceover, I will realize like, oh, this section is 20 seconds longer than it needs to be. And I'll keep doing my voiceover. But once I finish it, like I go and I cut out 20 seconds, okay. you know, by speeding something up or taking out some dead, dead air. So, and I do the same thing the other way occasionally, too, where if I have this clip that's set at 800 times speed and while I'm in the middle of do- doing voiceover, I need more time. I'll just switch it to 400 times speed gotcha. so I can get it in. When you do your voiceover, are you like sitting in front of your computer looking at the footage? Yep. I watch it. Yeah. And then and just I do kind it. of saying like, all right, I need to say something like it's not scripted. Then you're just saying like, I need to talk about this here and you'll just kind of record something. Yeah. Everything's off top. On average, I say each sentence about three times. Sometimes okay. I hit it the first time. Sometimes I hit it the seventh time. <laughs> but <laughs> a lot of times I'm doing that to sort of work workshop my words since right. I'm not typing them out. I know yeah. the idea of what I wanted to want to say, but occasionally the the finer points I'll adjust throughout. Gotcha. Yeah. But I, I'm excited for you. Are you doing any sort of uh, what are you, what do you call those like confessional booths, like in big brother or something? Not exactly O-T-S. that. Or like tiger King. <laughs> yeah. They call it a, like a talking head, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not doing exactly that, but we are doing a lot more talking on camera while awesome. I'm building. Like, you know, usually when I'm coming up to a big spot or I'll say like, all right, now we have to do this. And so 
in it, that's kind of what I'm making note of when I'm watching it is like, if I talk about it in there, then obviously I don't need to say it in a voiceover. So I can just like, maybe sometimes I'll like use my talking kind of as a voiceover and just overlay footage on it rather than like just holding on me talking or whatever. I I'll like just have to lot. kind of yeah. see how that works. And then other times, like there are just, again, like, yeah, things that were too intricate or that like, maybe I didn't realize were going to happen as I was explaining what I'm about to do. And so that those are the times that I'll have to voice over, but like, I'm already, I would say I have over half the footage in there. And like the amount of voiceover that I've written is a quarter of what I normally <laughs> write. So it's like definitely a cool. lot lighter. That's pretty exciting then. I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, That'll I think be it'll cool. be fun. I mean, if anything, like anytime I, even like if I like put different music in to edit to, it always just like spices that aspect of it up a little bit. It makes it a little yeah. bit more fun. So like, it's going to be a pain in the butt, I think, but I think it's also going to be a little bit fun just because it's like a new challenge in, in the style. That's really awesome. So the big question, do you guys have anything that you're obsessed with? Oh, man. I got two. <laughs> in, all, in, in the new era of consumption. Yeah, I know. They're, they're on the opposite ends of the spectrum. So the more serious one first. I watched a video from the comedian Michael Yo. I heard about it from a Joe Rogan podcast. I think I sent it to you. Yeah, you you texted it to me. Yeah, and it was it was a very appreciative video with someone that had just come through a COVID nineteen infection. Yeah, I thought he 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 made some points that. I hadn't considered before that made me both appreciative and sort of somber. So I recommend that it's on his Instagram. The other one on a little bit more upbeat is Jim from The Office, also known as John Krasinski, started a show on Facebook called Some Good News. And he just kind of shares positive things. One, he killed it. It looks like he did it all with his like laptop cam or maybe his phone. And some very basic editing. He had his daughters make his signs and graphics for it. And what I loved, I mean, one, it was just a really positive, like uplifting, fun, and also well-paced show that was done with, you know, very low production and a very charming human being. It was great. I think when I saw it, it was like at like 12 million views. I'm sure it's probably in the 20s or 30s now. And it just made me realize how bad most talk shows are with all this production, extra cameras, and how what we really want is just a good someone, host. someone we like talking about things we care about. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's, that's content in a nutshell. And I, remember, some- I remember me and you were having a conversation, and it was after the whole corona shutdown started happening when TV networks started canceling shows or canceling productions for a lot of shows. And I think Jimmy Fallon was like the one of the first. It was right when all the networks sort of started shutting down production for a lot of the shows, especially the regular shows that they were doing, like The Tonight Show. And I think Jimmy Fallon was the first person to just do it at home. Or I, I don't know exactly. I've just seen YouTube clips, but I think they're producing it like in their living room or in their house. Yeah. And it looks like it's just shot by a person really, really simple. And that was my first takeaway. And it's sort of the same thing with the John Krasinski thing is the production value doesn't matter. It needs yeah, to be good enough to right. not make it fail. But once it's good enough. Yeah, that you it's can understand all, it. Yes. Yeah. It just has to be good enough not to ruin the thing. But once you're there, it doesn't matter. It's just if are you telling a good story? Are you making it entertaining? Are you as right. a person, someone that somebody that people want to see? Are you coming up with good ideas or bringing good ideas to the table? And if that's the case, it doesn't matter if you've got 
eight cameras on dollies and tracks, or if you got somebody with a cell phone, it's good. Yeah. You know, do you guys think that that'll change like this? Sorry, this will change the way that a lot of it's, what we considered like, upper end media dude, is I moving forward. It's like I don't a really know, big wave and the water will go back. Yeah. But the shoreline will be a little bit different. That's a good right? way to put it. Yeah. So it will change. It won't change dramatically, but it will be, you know, kind of after 9-11 happened, that right, right after was very different. But even like 10 years later, the security protocols we go through before we get on an airplane are still a artifact of that singular thing. And I think this will be probably a bigger impact just because it's happening to all the countries in the world at the same time. And I think it will sort of reveal in that type of content how one, I think it'll make people appreciate how valuable sports are as a franchise. Yeah. And like, think about ESPN there. You know, it's weird. This changed how I thought about ESPN. I used to think of ESPN as like, you know, and when I was in college, it was essential. It was like the website I'd probably go to whenever I wanted to kill time or procrastinate. And then like, you know, I'd always watch Sports Center and stuff like that to kind of get highlights. Yeah. And then, you know, the internet became and social media became bigger. I used it less and less, but I still thought of it as like kind of this like reputable thing. And they produce great content like 30 to 30. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I realized that like without ESPN doesn't actually create anything. They're only reactive. They're just reacting to what something else that they don't control is doing. They are a show that talks about other shows. And I think like I've, yeah, it's fundamentally, I've kind of like probably won't ever think about them the same way. I'll think of them as kind of derivative. Whereas before I thought them as like sort of top of the food chain is what they do. No, they're like, yeah, they're just making reactions to to whatever sports is happening. But yeah, my my first response was just saying like, oh, how quickly the mighty have fallen. Late night show host is now just making YouTube videos, basically. Oh, and everyone's an influencer now. <laughs> exactly. And and all of these A-list celebrities really love all their social networks whenever all they don't sudden. have. Yeah. When they don't have Hollywood paying them. So I think what this really did is it, it did a lot of things. But one thing that's a side effect of this in terms of the whole media landscape is it just took the whole influencer and celebrity scale. And just got a lot closer to even because the celebrities that bought into what they're doing currently that used to hate on the whole influencer game can't do that now. Like you can't hold that over somebody's head when you were the one doing it, you know, making whatever kind of Instagram posts or TikToks or whatever kind of corny stuff people like to complain about. But I think this whole trend when it comes to the production, like we were talking about with late night shows, I think that's happening. And I think a good example of this idea of production value not being as important as just what the content is, is David, David Spade's show on Comedy Central, Lights Out. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to yeah. catch that, but it does really, really well. It does especially well on YouTube. They do a good job of clipping it up, but it's a classic late night show format hosted by David Spade, where he'll, ha- where he'll typically have three guests for a panel of four top four people where they sort of talk about pop culture. They bring up clips, they react to stuff, and then also they just kind of interact and try and be funny. Yeah. But a show like that's been done a million times, but this one particularly, it's not high budget. The guests are good and they do a good job of curating that, but it's not anything special, but it does really, really well on network TV. I watch the clips on YouTube and my grandparents watch it at whatever time it airs on, on Comedy Central. 
And so mm-hmm. it's doing this really, really good job of crossing so many demographics. And it's just doing it by being the right format and having the right curation of guests. It's, it's really cool. So I think that's kind of stuff is just going to keep happening more and more. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the thing like it was already happening, but maybe this is just like pushing more people into trying it or into like, you know, experimenting with this type of thing. And there probably will be more adoption of it. I mean, just think of without naming any specific people, but oh, oh, here, let's just pretend. Let's just hypothetically say like Jimmy Kimmel or somebody, right? Okay. Like you get to a point where more money wouldn't even do it for you anymore. And like more freedom might be what you want in like, oh, I want to do, I want to talk about these kinds of things that I'm not allowed to talk about on channel seven or ABC or whatever. Right. So that could become like the incentive, especially if you find that like, wait a minute, I could like put together like a ragtag team of production and spend, you know, $30,000 per episode of some 30 minute show that I create for YouTube or for where, for wherever they want to put it and like get the same kind of ratings at a fraction of the cost and say whatever I want to say. Like, you know, I don't think that, oh yeah, now that's just going to become what entertainment is, but maybe it makes like 2% of people that would have just like stuck to the mainstream initially say, no, I'm going to go do this on my own or whatever. Yeah. So it just gets people to like buy into that kind of stuff. It forces people to buy into it. it. it, It'll happen on, on both ends. There's still a lot of money in the mainstream stuff and they still get, you know, per view, they get an extraordinary advertising rate. Right. Particularly because... It's something I always talk about brands when when they ask me my opinions on whether or not there's value in this kind of mainstream TV stuff. And I'm like, it depends on how vain you are. If you want to see your stuff in this like, you know, on a million dollar ESPN set that's all made out of polished acrylic where people are running out with squeegees in between every segment to kind of like polish it all up and do that. If it's important to you to have that intangible, very expensive production. I'm not going to argue with you. That's just your preference. I would suggest that you might not be able to actually show any analytics that that adds value or is more likely to create, you know, people to buy your products relative to the rate at which you're spending on ads. But what we all know, and I mean, I think it's become clear is that content is the world's getting flatter when it comes to the content world. Wait, I thought we we talked about the world not being flat before. <laughs> the con- the digital world. Ben, We're are you building a rocket? Are you secretly building a rocket right now? No, 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 no rockets. But, you know, we now, everything's interchangeable and modular. Yeah. We watch YouTube videos on flat screen TVs. We watch TV shows on our phones and everything in between. So yeah, there's- I think that's, it's still mixing. So you mm-hmm. can still, right now we're in the, we're in the swirl phase. You know, when you like, we, we haven't blended it into a milkshake. You can still see yeah. the chocolate syrup and the vanilla distinctly. They're all in the same cup and they're being swirled together on the same, you know, yeah. platforms and devices. So maybe, but eventually maybe was, they'll just get blended into one big mush. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was already being stirred around and now we just got like an electric beater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Things are mixing up a little faster. Okay, I've got a obsession for this week. It's actually something that I wasn't watching, but this conversation made me change my obsession. And it is a show from the late Anthony Bourdain called Raw Craft. And I think this is... I remember that. It's a couple of things. One, it's just a great series, and Anthony Bourdain really is the man. And it's branded content, right? I was about to say, and since everybody's inside, probably running low on on stuff to watch, 
what Rawcraft is, is a sort of spin on parts unknown. So he goes to people that make things by hand. It could be people that build things with leather. It could be a chef. It could be a luthier. Suit maker. Just a maker of any kind. And it's produced by a whiskey company called Belvini. And there's a little bit of product placement. There's a quick title card. You know, it's Rawcraft brought to you by Belvini. But aside from that, you can tell 120%. Obviously, they worked with Bourdain's production crew because why wouldn't he work with his own production team? And they just made a show that was what they wanted to make. It was very, very parts unknown or no boundaries, but more about building things rather than cooking particularly. But it's just that mix of travel and somebody that's really good at something. And they did it great. It's an awesome show. I don't know how many episodes they put out, probably about a dozen. And I'm sure there's a few on there that you want to check that you would like. So check out. Rawcraft with Anthony Bourdain by Belvini Whiskey. Very nice. All right, All right everybody. Well, thank you so up. much for listening to, <laughs> I was about to say, I, I forgot Chris already went. I was waiting for you. Thank you for listening to, to us every week, whether you're at work, on your way to work, working in the workshop, or just working from home. We appreciate it big time. And if you have any topic suggestions, anything that you would like us to talk about, you can always hit us up on Instagram. My name's Mike, and you can find me at Modern Builds. Ben is at Benjamin Ueda, U-I-E-D-A, and Chris is at Four Eyes Furniture. Shoot us a DM there. And as always, we do appreciate a five-star review on the podcast app. All that does is let us let the app know that we're a good show and that it should suggest us to people that listen to similar content. But otherwise, thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Nicely done. We also accept questions in the form of cameos from your favorite celebrities <laughs> oh my gosh someone come through on this please oh god no don't do it to me <laughs> all right well we'll see you next week everybody <laughs> bye everybody bye see ya wow